Lactosporidium seems to be becoming more prevalent in cattle. What are the effects? In animals, it causes um, severe diarrhoea, especially in the young calves. We'll hear about the potential effects on the dairy industry in a moment. On a more positive note, tonight sees the second Louth Christmas charity tractor run. A great spectacle, and all in a good cause. This year we're doing it for Yellow Wellies Farm Safety Foundation, and they set up a Mind Your Head campaign in 2018. So basically, it's mental health in agriculture. And we'll hear from agricultural chaplain Canon Allen Robson, Sean Sparling, Openfields Kit Dickinson, and Colin Jackson talks potatoes. The week in agriculture. This is the farming program with Steve Orchard. Good morning, the final farming program before Christmas. Hope you're all well and ready and looking forward to getting some time with the family, if that's what you plan to be doing. BioAccelerate, Aber Innovations Investment Readiness Accelerator Program for early stage businesses and startups is back for a fourth time and they're seeking ambitious innovations. Here's the farming program's Julie Caston with the details. Launched in 2018, BioAccelerate is a programme of training and mentoring to help entrepreneurs and business founders bring the best ideas to marketing within the biosciences, agritech and food and drink sectors. It's a tailored 12-week programme with interactive workshops and group activities, pitch development and hands-on mentoring. The first workshop kicks off on Wednesday the 5th of January and applications are now open. The programme is supported by UK Government's Community Renewal Fund, supporting the UK's recovery following the Covid pandemic. Participation in the programme is free of charge to successful applicants, with a total of six a awards of £10,000 available in the first instance to the strongest pitches, as judged by a panel of experts in business growth on the final day. Those six finalists will then be invited onto the second phase of the programme and given further opportunities to develop their business plans and products, culminating once again in a pitch day, this time to venture capital specialists and investors. The most promising proposition will be awarded £50,000 to help bring it to fruition. For details and to apply, search BioAccelerate. We've more Outbreaks of avian influenza H5N1 this week in County Durham and near Alford in Lincolnshire. A three-kilometre protection zone and ten-kilometre surveillance zone have been put in place around each of the premises. And the new Institute for Agriculture and Horticulture, TIAH, is seeking volunteers to help with the development of its skills and careers services as it prepares for launch next year. They're looking for people working at every level on farms and horticultural sites who are willing to offer their knowledge, opinions and experience. More information about TIH and to register at TIAH.org. Let's get a quick potato update now from Colin Jackson at PJP Potatoes. Morning, Colin. Good morning. Everything all right with you? Nice and busy in the run-up to Christmas? Yes, it's been fairly busy, I would say, in uh, in Spud World. It's not what it used to be. I mean, years ago, I do remember, you know, when I first started, so, we, yeah, we're talking 30 years ago or more, we used to fill our warehouse with potatoes, um, cara particularly, varieties like that, uh, ready for Christmas, and we would put two or 300 tonne in bags ready to go, and over the course of the sort of 10 days up to Christmas, it would all go and, and be restocked. Unfortunately, we don't see that kind of trade anymore because that was obviously for the traditional greengrocer trade. Um, now, of course, it's, it's, it's mainly supermarket based and they haven't seemed to have had quite the promotions that they would normally get. So um, a lot of people, even in that packing sector, 
haven't really seen the uh, the volume of movement that you would traditionally expect just before Christmas. No, so an awful lot of head scratching still going on as to exactly what's going to happen uh, come Christmas, and of course things change almost on a daily basis at the moment, don't they? But uh, uh, yes. in terms of of sales, how's it going? What are prices like? Are they holding up? Yes, prices are holding fairly generally, really. Uh, I mean, values are down to sort of £100 and thereabouts, and even a little bit less if you've got something poorer quality. But also on the flip side, you know, there are good prices. You know, King Edwards, for instance, have been um, north of £300 uh, recently um, because of a little bit of Christmas trade to be done and good frying quality samples in papers really ranging from... 150 to 250 pounds. So quite a broad spectrum of prices at the moment, to be honest with you. But um, it's the old, old adage of quality is being looked for. Mm. And the crop in the field, where are we with that? Yeah, everything now out of the ground. Um, so um, so everything is looking good and, and secure in store. So really, I mean, it's almost the point seed is arriving on farms, being boxed up, ready for for planting you know next spring so uh, very much in the um in the off season as far as the fields go but uh, planning forward it is that sort of slightly quiet time of year in lots of cases isn't it colin i wish you all the very best for christmas and into the new year we'll talk soon again but uh, thanks for joining us again yeah and to you and everyone on the team research led by the university of kent has found the prevalence of cryptosporidium in cattle to be greater than presumed this poses a serious threat to the dairy industry and possibly to human life dr anastasios saosis from the university of kent school of biosciences is the corresponding author of the research paper doctor can you start by telling us what cryptosporidium is and what are the problems it can cause cryptosporidium is a microbial parasite can only see it under the microscope. It's quite frequently found in animals, but they can be spread to humans as well. In animals, it causes um, severe diarrhea, especially in the young calves. This, of course, has consequences on the growing of the animals and subsequent consequences on meat and milk production. Now, your research has found that the prevalence of cryptosporidium seems to be greater than we thought it was. Yes, indeed. We've done a study and basically we found that, yes, it's it's quite high, especially in the young calves, which... um, is a major issue with farmers. Do we know what's caused this? That's a very good question. Probably circulation from the environment. We actually checked both the mothers and the calves for cryptosporidium, and we haven't seen any direct transmission from the mothers to the calves. So this is probably coming from from the environment. The end result of this, you mentioned diarrhea and so on, uh, is this going to affect the, the long-term health of cattle or is it something that they will have diarrhoea and get over it and move on? Is it a long-term problem? It's, it is a long-term because something that causes you diarrhoea, this is both in humans and animals, has an effect in the microflora of the gut. Of course, there are going to be other consequences on the health of the animal as well. And this is something we want to study even further later on. Okay, and how does this actually transfer to humans then? Again, from the environment or from the water supplies. There have been several incidents in UK with cryptosporidium being in the water supply. The government were asking for people to actually boil their water instead of filtering it. Um, This is because of cryptosporidium. 
Okay, now how would a farmer detect that it's present? Very good question. There are two ways. You either done it with lateral flow tests, which usually a veterinarian will have, or more importantly, what we are doing, we are actually looking molecularly um, because we need to know which species are actually present, whether actually this can cause a severe disease to the animal. Okay. What symptoms would make a farmer lead to wonder if cryptosporidium is present? Would that be diarrhea or would there be something else? It would be diarrhea. Um, unfortunately, there are other pathogens that cause diarrhea. That's mm. why we need to do PCR testing. Right. Okay. And if they do detect this or if the vet detects that the parasite is, is in a herd, what can they do about it? That's another very good question. There is no official treatment for cryptosporidium. There are a combination of different drugs they use, but we are not even sure if this actually can kill the parasite. So usually what they do is uh, rehydration of the animal as much as they can. And is there any way of preventing it spreading? That's what we are looking to find out, trying to find new methods of prevention. I think the best cure is prevention than using any kind of drugs. Dr. Anastasios Tsouisis from the University of Kent, thanks for explaining it. Thanks for joining us on the farming programme today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. From cattle to agronomy now, our crop doctor Sean Sparling is here for the last time in 2021. Morning, Sean. What's happening? Yes, a very good morning to you, Steve. I know, only six more sleeps and it's here again. It doesn't seem five minutes since last Christmas, does it? Awful lot's happened in this last 12 months, but uh, I'll be pleased to put it behind me, to be fair. So, not a lot to report, not much going on land-wise or agronomy-wise. So, this will be my last agronomy report for 2021. Thank goodness for that. I could hear the shout go up. Thanks very much. Nice to be appreciated. So, orchid rate then. Just a few bits still to do with propizomide out there. Remember, you're okay until the end of January. You can go on a frost, you can go on a damp leaf, but do go on the Corteva website, look at the stewardship guidelines to make sure you're protecting the water, because if we protect the water from propizomide getting into it, we protect propizomide as an active ingredient moving forward, and we can't afford to lose propizomide, so do please be careful. There's also some data on there about reducing the dose rate. You don't have to go with full dose. It all depends upon the target species. Now, I am... Pretty much up to date with my propizomide on my farms, but I am just holding off where I'm already in control of any blackgrass because the clethodim has worked really well that was applied uh, a few weeks ago. But I am just holding off on a few fields where I'm finding cabbage stem flea beetle larvae relatively frequently and easily and where levels are higher than I really want to see them. Remember, we saw very little in the way of larvae this time last year, but that followed the disaster, which was autumn 2019, where larval infestations absolutely decimated the UK all-seed rape crop, in particular over here on the eastern side and up here in Lincolnshire. But we knew that the chances were we would get cabbage stem flea beetle yields. Some years were going to be worse than others, where the populations have recovered and rallied throughout the year, and we started to see a hit once again. So we obviously saw far more activity from adult beetles at harvest this year, so it's inevitable we were going to start to see a little more activity this autumn. Well, levels are nothing like they were in 2019, thankfully, where good-looking crops were failing left, right and centre from the middle of January onwards. 
but there are most certainly more larvae about than there were this time last year. That's all I'm saying. And I'm wary as an agronomist of spending money or putting residuals like propizomide or carbetamide in particular onto crops where I have a question mark or on crops where there are moderate levels of larvae until I can see a little more clearly how these crops are going to be impacted by the pest because it just complicates the worst scenario which would be to have to rip up an oilseed rape crop and re-drill it with something else it gets very complicated if you put a big slug of residual on and you have to go and plough those fields before they're re-drilled. So I'm just wary of ticking a box for the sake of getting a job out of the way um, when we do have until the end of January to get propizomide on. Anyway, as I say, most of mine's already done, but on some of these nervy fields, I'm just holding my fire until the middle to the end of January when hopefully we'll be more certain of the crop's future. We've tried everything again this autumn culturally to combat cabbage stem flea beetle because obviously we're fairly impotent when it comes to insecticide control so we've had companion crops long stubbles farmyard manures slurries digestates getting big crops because we're drilling them early we tried all of those things once again this autumn and once again it seems to have been luck rather than judgment which governed where the worst of the cabbage stem flea beetle is uh, disease levels fairly low and being held by the weather now really smaller crops if you do have a fungicide to put on they're always your priority for fungicides but to be quite honest i think the cold weather will do as much good as a fungicide will if not more but quite important as farms shut down for christmas obviously to make sure someone's keeping an eye open for pigeons they don't have a christmas break like we do and they will enjoy your hospitality without question if you let them so get your bangers crashes whizzers flashes etc polished off and out in the field strategically placed and monitor them regularly that's the key to it we all know christmas is a time for giving so give the pigeons a reason to go and visit your neighbor's rape slugs as well let's of an issue in the rate but they are out there but certainly out there in the wheats especially the later drillings which are very very slow to emerge and grow away from any damage just know where your hot spots are and do unto the slugs before they do unto your wheat of course as it turns really cold and getting away from this current mild stuff those slugs are going to move down the profile but for now do stay alert to that danger it is a real danger in some of these fields but cereals generally pretty much put to bed now for Christmas and generally looking very very good in fact I think farms look as good going into Christmas 21 as I've seen them look for a number of years bitter mildew but the cold snap a couple of weeks ago has killed most of that off bitter rust as we said in Glean, Kering, Kinetic, Graham one or two other varieties but whereas the cold isn't going to kill that yellow rust it's not going to get any worse so make a note of where it is the land is very very wet not so much as a result of the heavy rain more that it just isn't drying at all at this time of year and a heavy dew or a foggy night it's like we might as well have had three or four mil of rain in these conditions but if you have uh, outstanding herbicide tickets is what I was going to lead on to hanging on the wall of the office and you, you want to get them on and you're looking for the right day to do it just be aware of timing cutoffs growth stage restrictions etc speak to your advisor if that is the case and make sure that you're still within the legal label restrictions and the, the crop is staying safe Still odd aphids out there looking into the sun on Thursday afternoon I found wingless aphids near Lincoln but they're few and far between and as wingless aphids are unlikely to get much worse they don't move that far as it gets colder. Um, 
as things cool down just monitor and deal with them in the spring if you need to but for now just let the spiders and the predators have them for the Christmas dinner it takes minus six degrees C to kill an aphid so fingers crossed for a fair few of those over the coming months not much else for agronomy then in 2021 I just want to wish everyone out there a happy peaceful and above all a very healthy Christmas along with a worry-free and a very prosperous 2022 so let's see what next year brings Thank you, Sean, and a very happy Christmas and New Year to you. Enjoy your break. It's that time of year for a bit of Lincolnshire Christmas fun for the family, a festive spectacle, and all tied in with raising money for good causes. Bring on the Louth Christmas Charity Tractor Run, which fulfils all those requirements. It's happening this evening. Organiser Tara Lee, good morning. How many tractors have you got taking part? I've got 100 tractors this year. Wow. And these are all going to be dressed up, I guess. There's going to be plenty of Santas around. Yes, there is. Yeah, definitely. Good, good. And what time and where from and what's the route? We're leaving Louth Livestock Market at 6.30pm and then we'll be going down Newmarket, down the avenue in Louth, through the town centre, various places around Louth. It's a decent sized route. It's going to take us about an hour. Okay, and people will be able to watch comfortably and safely, will they? Yes, definitely. Yeah, there's you know either side of the roads on the pavements. There's plenty of car parks for them to park in. There was a good amount of numbers last year in the town centre. So yeah, there's plenty of places to watch it from. Now this is a brilliant spectacle in itself, but it's being done for a good reason, isn't it? What's it for? This year we're doing it for Yellow Wellies Farm Safety Foundation, and they set up a Mind Your Head campaign in 2018. So basically, it's mental health in agriculture. Which is a subject we talked about on the farming programme many, many times. Have you any idea at all how much money is likely to get raised? Well, at the moment, just with the tractors, and we had a live auction over our Facebook page earlier on in the week for a day's shooting. That was donated by FlexiDig. We raised £800 for that, uh, which was really good and appreciated. And with the tractors, we're looking at about 2800 up to now. Brilliant. Let's hope we can get above the £3,000 mark or even more, fingers crossed, for such a good cause. Where can uh, members of the public find out more, Taryn? They can go to our Facebook page, uh, which is Loud Christmas Tractor Run. All the information's on there, the routes, how they can donate, if they want to buy raffle tickets. We've got loads of raffle prizes from all the local businesses in Louth and all the tractor dealers. Brilliant. be great to see loads and loads of people out supporting the event. Well done for organising everything. Good luck for this evening, Taron. Hope everything goes brilliantly and you raise loads of money for Yellow Wellies. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you. Not quite his final report of the year, but here's Kit Dickinson from Openfield. Good morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. US wheat prices collapsed ahead of the US Federal Reserve meeting on Wednesday, fearing an end to government tapering of bond purchases and a threat of increased interest rates in an effort to combat inflation. Funds sold wheat heavily in somewhat may be described as rebalancing of their portfolios, although soybeans and maize appear to be unaffected by the sell-off, which makes more sense that it is more in line with the thinking that commodities are hedged against inflation. There is a temptation to look for reasons behind such a sharp correction, with many explanations being put forward. Omicron was right up there with the accompanying demand destruction headlines, which is understandable if travel is disrupted, but people do still need to eat. Indeed, a slew of recent tenders by global importers would suggest they described this theory. Argentine crop appears to be larger than recent USDA reports showed by 1 to 2 million metric tonnes, and they could increase their exports. That assumes that they do not get their annual strikes, that there could be adequate water in the Panorama River, 
and the potential buyers are happy to accept GM wheat, which is yet to be proven. There is also talk that the Australian crop may be bigger and the quality better than expected. There is still the question of the logistical capacity at the ports, which is already thought to be maxed out. There was also the suggestion that Brazil, a major importer of predominantly Argentine wheat, had sold wheat to Africa. This seems highly unlikely given their reluctance to buy GM wheat from Argentina, which means they will have to source a bulk of their 6.7 million metric ton imports from elsewhere. Profit taking, technical selling, computer selling all took their share of the limelight, but the simpler explanation may be that the speculative market was long, and this is a necessary correction. Malting barley, 2021 crop. Malting barley values continue to find good support globally, with malting premiums rising steadily over the past six months to unusually high levels. Here in the UK, malting barley has risen by over £100 a tonne since harvest, buoyed by the appreciating feed grain values globally and malting issues in three of our major four malting barley regions of the world, Europe, Canada and Australia. But looking forward now to 2022 crop, new crop premiums achievable currently are well above historic highs, although we will move from 2021 crop into 2022 with relatively low malting barley stocks. Premiums will come under pressure unless, once again, we see production issues in the major malting barley regions of the world. If malt demand and brewing demand stay there, there could be some significant drops. Oilseed rate this week. Last Thursday's USDA report was neutral with no changes of note, which left values unaffected by the news. This week saw bid levels lose ground on the back of the Matif and Chicago markets being lowered, which led to sellers not coming forward. Consumers seem to have their supply covered until early into the new year and are now reluctant to buy forwards due to the high price of raw material and lack of finished product demand. Market activity is also becoming limited with fresh news, and this is unlikely to change until the new year. There is a tight UK supply and demand expected over the next seven months before any new crop comes to the market. So we may have a volatile time between now and then. Wheat prices this week, January 2022, 210 to 217. February 211 to 218. May 214 to 221. November new crop 180 to 190 pounds. Milling wheat premiums are currently £50 for the very best Group 1 samples. Feed barley, January 200 to 206, February 202 to 209, May 205 to 212, and November new crop 165 to 174. Malting barley premiums for old crop are circa £65 to £70. An orchard rape, £592 to £597 for January, February 595 to 600 May 597 to 602 and November new crop 435 to £450. Thanks and a happy Christmas to you, Kit. Talking of which, it wouldn't be Christmas without agricultural chaplain Canon Alan Robson. I guess, Alan, it's a busy time of year for you, isn't it? Well, I mean, throughout the year, it's varying waves of busyness and this last year has been really interesting. But Christmas, I, I love the Christmas season. I, people despite all the challenges, we'll try and make the best of what has been a, a very difficult two years. And um, let's hope everybody can have a, a family time together and enjoy you know, some great Lincolnshire produce for their dinner. Absolutely. It's been a good year for the chaplaincy, really, this year with your expansion, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's all on the back of what we can see coming over the horizon. You know, there are lots of challenges ahead for all types of farming enterprises whether it's the horticultural sector whose costs have gone up in certain parts of them 400%. You know, it's the pig sector have had 
real challenges. And we're just saying that we'll need more feet on the ground. And so we, we're working alongside LRSN, Lincoln Rural Support Network, with this new chaplaincy team across the whole county. Really, it begins to uh, launch in January. So just to clarify, there's going to be four of you across the county, is that right? Well, five of us, actually. We've got um, myself and four others, Lee, Al, Sue and Peter, north, south, east and west across the county. And we're looking potentially to build it up a little bit more as well. Are you finding then that your services are being called on more and more? Yes, in varying ways, wherever there's uh, pressure and changes to businesses, which will be dramatic over the next four years, it it puts pressure on relationships, familiar relationships, partnerships. You know, people want to go in one direction and the other partner wants to go in another direction. Uh, But it needs more cooperation between all members. And the sooner farmers get to properly thinking through their businesses uh, for the next few years, the better. So it is increasing workload, but I feel less stressed about it with a bigger team. We say this almost every year that it's a time of mm. change, but certainly in agriculture, it very definitely is, isn't it? Looking forward to next year. Some people say the only farms of the future are not necessarily the big ones. The only farms of the future are the good ones, you know, adapting now to what's on the horizon. So the, the next year will see changes, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's just going to be more big farms. It means farmers adapting quickly um, to what's uh, coming around the corner. Some people can and some people can't. And we're there to help those who struggle with all the changes. Alan, it's coming up to Christmas, just a few days away. What's your message Mm. for this year? Well, I guess it's a sort of prayer for resilience, certainly a prayer for wisdom amongst the industry leaders as uh, they address food insecurity and security an increased prayer for compassion and generosity as we form the new chaplaincy and see the expanding work of Lincolnshire Rural Support Network and a prayer of joy and peace for everyone in the new year. Canon Alan Robson, Agricultural Chaplain for Lincolnshire, thank you for your contributions through the year and a very, very happy Christmas to you and yours. Yes, and to you and all the team there as well. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Quite a calm, dry start to the week with high pressure, rain by the end of the week, snow on Christmas Day. It's possible. Just a gentle, variable breeze for today and Monday, dry with highs of 7 Celsius. Colder for the middle of the week with overnight lows down to freezing point and highs no more than 2 or 3 degrees. Again, calm and dry. Rain on the way for the end of the week, some of it heavy. The wind stays light from the southeast, highs around 4 Celsius. On the farming programme for the next couple of weeks, we'll take a look back at what's been a difficult year for many, but not bad for others in agriculture, and look ahead to what we hope for in 2022 with many many of the friends of the programme who've joined us on a Sunday morning throughout the year. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, best wishes to you and yours from me and mine. On behalf of all of us at the Farming Programme, have a very, very happy Christmas.